This is Ken Bringus, the lead pastor at New Life Foursquare Church. Welcome to our podcast. Hope you'll be enlightened and encouraged and inspired a bit more through the message today. And if you like what you hear, come and visit us at one of our two campuses in Norwalk or Harbor City, California, 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. Or you can check us out on our website for more information and upcoming events. We're at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Bob Hunt, our special guest from Foursquare Missions Press, brings a message on fulfilling God's call on your life. Enjoy it and be blessed. Good and bad news this morning. Good news is that Jesus is calling everyone in this room. He's calling you. He's gifted you. He has a mission for you. You may not be going to India, but you have a mission from the Lord. The bad news is so many of us feel we don't deserve that, we ignore it, or or we just kind of turn a blind eye to what God is calling us to do. And what I want to do this morning is kind of stir up the gift as, as Paul encourages Timothy, to stir up that gift within you. You know, some of you say, well, Bob, you don't understand. You don't know what kind of person I'm at, where I came in today, what I was doing last night, the problems I have, all these things. The Lord is still calling you. I saw a meme that's going around Facebook. Yes, I do know what a meme is. (laughs) Not really. I'm really not sure what a meme is, but it was going around Facebook, and it was saying, basically, God has a calling on your life. I thought, oh, this is good. It's a nice spiritual meme, and I'll, I'll take it to heart. It says, and he's already factored in your stupidity. <laughs> now, don't get offended by the word stupidity, but because the reality, and then the meme ends, it goes, and knowing that makes me very happy <laughs> because the reality is the Lord knows all the issues in our lives. He knows that we could sometimes be pretty stupid, amen? Come on now. You look really intelligent. This is an intelligent group. I realize the IQ level here is higher than most all the other churches I ever share at. But, but, th- but really, sometimes we can be pretty stupid. But the thing is that God is saying to us this morning is no matter what's happened in your life, I still have a call on your life. What does Romans eleven twenty nine say? For the calling and the gifts of God are what? Irrevocable. No matter what you've done, he's not going to take them away. He's not going to take your calling away. He's not going to take away the gifting that he has in your life. Amen. Well, turn to me with 2 Timothy, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I know you have notes, and we'll kind of have to fly through some of the notes this morning, but we'll do the best we can. And, uh, but I want to share from 2 Timothy, and I want to start in verse 3, but Timothy, by the way, we have a lot of young people, and I love that. Heidi and I are very committed to, to mentoring young people. It's something we love to do. But Timothy is a book where Paul, who could be very terse, was very tender in writing Timothy. It's kind of like a young person's handbook, a young um, missionary or young minister's handbook. And it's this older warrior talking to this young upcoming warrior, and he's saying, Timothy... I know you face discouragement. I know, you know, they're facing a lot of persecution. This is the time of Nero. You know, Nero fiddling, right? Rome burned, and then he blamed the Christians. 
So Timothy's facing this, and he says in verse 3, I remember you in my prayers day and night. Verse 4, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, then I called to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in you, your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up that gift that's in you of the laying on of hands. Now, what gift is he referring to? He could be referring to 2 Corinthians 12. He could be referring to Romans 12. He could be talking about Ephesians 4. It's the Greek word for charisma, for the, which means grace gifting or gracelet. And he's saying, basically, he's saying, let the Holy Spirit stir up within you that grace gifting that God has given you. And he, he's not taken away. Despite all the persecution, all the problems you're going through, he still has it in you. So the question is, how do we stir up that gift this morning? Well, verse 5 says, again, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that you had. If you're in your notes here, number one point, it says we stir up the gift of God by remembering, by remembering all that God has done for us. Remembering all that God has done. We have such selective amnesia. You know, we forget what God has done for us. Don't we? I mean, our memory's good for about a day and a half. You know, in the Old Testament, man, whenever God did something great, they build stone rocks and monuments and all those kinds of things. I almost wish we'd kind of do that a little bit more. The things that God has done with us, we tend to forget. And, and, and Paul's telling Timothy, you know, remember all the great things that you have done that God has done for you. I remember uh, a story that got from a missionary from Papua New Guinea, and I was great to, it was great to hear from her. We sent a lot of materials to Papua New Guinea. Man, it's a tough place. There used to be cannibals there and headhunters. It's come a long way. We have about 2,000 churches in the four-square church there. But I got a letter from, from one of the missionaries, and she said, you know, Bob, I never am at one of the crate openings when you send your crates. I'm never there. But this one time I happened to be there, and when you opened up the crate, when they opened it up, I happened to be there, and I happened to look down, and I happened to see a Bible, and I happened to pick it up, and it happened to have my name on it, because, Bob, it was my very first Bible that I thought was lost. We collect used books and Bibles from around the country, and we send them all around the world. We just happened to send that Bible to that missionary. We know it wasn't happenstance. But she said, Bob, and this is why I'm sharing the story. He said, Bob, can I keep the Bible? Can I keep the Bible? I, I'd like to give it to the other people that need it more, but it just reminds me so much to remember the Lord and his goodness. And it reminds me that the word of God will never return void. I said, yeah, you can keep the Bible. That's good. She still has it on her desk. Praise God. Remember, two, we stir up the gift of God by letting our family inspire us. Boy, that's, that's something we don't hear much today. But it's, it's, it's in here. He's saying, the faith dwelt in your grandmother and your mom. Why did he mention that? 
He wants us to remember and honor our families. So we live in a culture here in America. I don't think we honor our family enough. I know I come, Heidi's family, my family's pretty dysfunctional. I mean, really dysfunctional, okay? Um, by the way, people that, that cop out and say, I can't serve the Lord, I'm not called, whatever, because of dysfunctionality in my family, I just want to tell them, have you ever read the Old Testament? <laughs> come on now, come on. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, funky dudes, man. There's there some things going on there. And yet, God was still faithful because despite everything else, they loved the Lord. But I, I, I married into a family. I mean, this is like the first family of Foursquare. Uh, and, and just amazing legacy that God has come up through Heidi's family. I, I think of Pastor Ken's family. My goodness, the Bringus family. The first call I got when I got hired by Foursquare was from Thel Bringus, the voice of God. <laughs> Hi, Bob. <laughs> this is God. I'm serious. I, I, was, I was stunned. Who is this man that's calling me? Nobody else called me, by the way, but he did. And I've loved him ever since. And then have a mom like Sonia, angel of God. I mean, come on now. So Ken had no choice. He had to be a pastor. I mean, it's, come on. No, that's not true. He had a choice. But there's a legacy there. It's exciting to see what, what he's referring to here. And we need to honor that kind of thing. Uh, how many of you know Leslie Kegel, apostolic le leader out of Sri Lanka? We have his book. I had the opportunity and privilege to help him write his book. Leslie Kegel, powerful apostolic ministry, have seen miracles. You got to read the book. Amazing miracles of God. He said, Bob, the most influential person in my life was my grandmother. Every day I would go and I'd sneak by her, her bedroom door and listen to her pray for hours. And every morning he'd go and he'd have her lay hands on him. Every morning and anoint him with oil as a young man. Nobody else wanted that. He did. He saw the value in a family that believed there's a legacy. We need to honor that. Amen? Amen. Three, verse seven. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. We love that verse. It's a great verse. How many of you ever claimed that verse? Amen? Man, that's the kind of, you just go, hey, Lord, I claim that in Jesus' name. Well, we stir up the gifts of God by moving out in faith and not fear. Oh, my goodness. I, I, you know, man, we need to feed our faith and not our fear. We need to feed our faith so we can starve our fear to death. We need to learn how to move in faith. I, I tell you, it's, it's an area that I have learned when I've gone overseas. Ariana, back me up. People who know, and, it, and it's all they got is faith because everything is against them. When you see demonic things happen, when, you're, when someone shoves a baby that's dying in front of your face, man, you better be operating in faith and not fear. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There are times of the fear might want to creep in. Uh, I remember, well, I, will get it. I can tell you so many stories. We got to move on, but I just want to say, let, let faith and not fear activate your calling. It's a part of what he's saying now to, what he's saying now to Timothy. He's saying, step out in your faith. 
Don't walk in fear because Timothy was, was facing the, some things that probably were fearful to him. He, would, he was saying, your faith has to be proactive. This is the thing that we don't get sometimes. It, faith isn't just like a, a you know, I, I believe in the doctrines and creeds of the church. Amen? Good. That's a good start. But faith is this active thing. That's why Paul talks about the shield of faith. You know, amen? Because it was a warfare. It was a struggle. It was a battle. And Timothy was in the middle of the battle facing persecution. So he's saying, don't, no, 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 no spirit of fear, but of all power and love and a sound mind. Verse four, or excuse me, point four, verse eight. Let me read it here. We don't read this verse very often. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of, his, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. We stir up the gift of God by using our testimony. Does everybody here have a testimony? Everybody, if I ask you right now, matter of fact, I'm going to go through the room. I'm going to ask you to share your testimony. Could I do that right now? Oh, the fear that gripped the room. You don't have the spirit of fear. But no, I, I understand that. I, I, I actually am very shy. I don't like to be up front, believe it or not. Ask my wife. It's true. But you all have a testimony. See, sometimes, you know, people, I know some of you here, you love to talk theology. You, you know, somebody wants to get in a theological argument. You, you just love that. I, I used to have a thing about Mormon missionaries coming to my house. My goal was to make them cry, weeping and gnashing of teeth. How, how loving of me. Until actually the Lord one day, he spoke to me very clearly and said, son, speak the truth in love. Changed everything, but that's another story. Our testimony. People can't take that away. That's something that means so much to so many people. What has changed in your life? What has God done in your life? And if you can share that, and it doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be a book. It can be just something. It's like the blind guy saying, you know, I was blind, but now I see. Power of a testimony. I love, I get, I'm constantly after people to write their story. We just finished a, a track, and I know you've been talking about freedom. It was, it was by an ex-biker. And he said, Bob, I, and this was just like a couple months ago, he says, Bob, I, I'm going to go minister to 700 Hell's Angels in a couple of months, and, and, and uh, would you pray for me? Now, how many of you would go and go uh, witness to 700 Hell's Angels? You know, maybe, maybe a few of you, but not most of you. Well, he's the next biker. This guy has no fear. But I said, can we help you? And so we, we created this beautiful little track called Freedom. And, you know, he's on a Harley, and, and it just shares the story. Something very simple he could give to these guys and share with them. I'm waiting to hear back from him. We love to tell stories. Uh, Yasser Handel, who's now a Native American, Native American pastor to all of the United States, his, his whole story started coming to the press one day. And he said, you know, I, I, I want some tracks and da-da-da-da. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about your life. I'm always interested. We love young people, especially guys that have beards down to here. He's got a manly beard. I can never have a great beard like this. This is an awesome beard. 
Wait, I got to find a scope for other bearded people here. Okay. I love that, you know, my wife, again, would divorce me uh, if the beard goes, no, she would not. Okay. By the way, we have a thing going that if I talk about her that even slightly is negative, she gets a whole new outfit or shoes. <laughs> Anybody have gift cards to like Saks Fifth Avenue? We could uh, steal from you today. Okay. I, well, anyway, the, the, the gentleman with the beard, uh, he, we shared his story, and he, amazing story. He was a drug dealer running from a cartel, went to uh, Mexico and smoking peyote, and, uh, and gets radically saved. And his ministry today touches literally thousands of Native Americans who I think are some of the most uh, abused and uncared for people in the United States. And he does it so beautifully, he and his wife and his family. We love to tell. It started with his testimony. It starts with his story. Okay, then, then we move on. Verse, uh, or point five. Verse nine. Let me read it to you. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Did you catch that? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We stir up the gift of God when we seek his purpose and not our own. Oh, when we seek his purpose, not our own. They say of David, it says in the New Testament, it says, David served the purposes of God for his generation, and then he fell asleep. Oh, if I, if on my tombstone, and I'm not far from it. Uh, in my tombstone, <laughs> you know, I feel a little old today. Very young group today. <laughs> you know, to, to say at the end of the, the time you have on this planet that he served, that Pastor Mike served the purposes of God for his generation, that Bob served the purpose of, of, purposes of God for his generation, and then he fell asleep. If we would serve the purposes... And, and it says they're a holy calling. He's, he's called us to a, a holy calling. That means it's sacred. It's important. It's something that when God has put it on your heart, he's put it on your mind. Don't just dismiss it. Embrace it. Say, God, what is it that you're calling me to do? How are you asking me to influence this world? Because it is important. Now, there's a strategy out of all that. And if you have your Bibles again, turn, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We'll quickly go through that. Acts chapter 1. God's call, it's irrevocable, it's holy, it's sustained by grace, that verse 9 says, and it's powered by the Holy Spirit. Before we read it, let me just make a very important point. God has called everyone in this room. He's called you personally. Why? Why didn't he just call a few of us who like to talk or write or whatever? Because every one of you has a unique, a unique testimony, a unique personality than anyone else. You've been created uniquely by God. If you don't, with your uniqueness, and some of us are more unique than others, I, I gather that, but that's okay. That's the kingdom of God. In your uniqueness, if you don't 
grab hold of your calling. Somebody out there is going to miss it. Somebody out there is not going to hear maybe that thing they need to hear. And the wonderful thing about it, I, I love about this generation, it's so embracing of uniqueness. You come to my generation, if you didn't look, dress, act, say, do everything the exact same way, you were an outcast. In this younger generation, no, we love differences. We, you, know, you can be a little nerdy and we love you. We'll embrace you. God wants to, God just says, oh, yes. Matter of fact, I believe that the young people in the book talks about this. You young people are the ones that are going to usher in, I believe, the second coming of Christ. I'm not making any predictions, obviously. I just believe that with all my heart and soul, that you young people are so open to, not, one, not be phony, not play religion. You really want to do the work and purposes of God for this generation. Amen? You want so desperately, and, and you, don't, you don't let anyone disqualify themselves because of how they look. They got too many tattoos. They got this or that. It doesn't matter. What matters is that the Spirit of God in your heart and mind, and you care and you love, and I love that about you. The calling of God is simply to surrender yourself to that calling. My wife, and I, I mentioned this, I don't think this will cost me an outfit, but she is a, a divorce attorney, but that's not her calling. Her calling for the kingdom of God is that she loves to mentor women. She's mentored hundreds of women throughout her time. In the last 15 years, uh, hundreds of women that she sees in them the potential, that she gets around them. She starts groups in different churches, and she says, it's so easy. Let's, let me help you just begin to love on each other and identify the calling and the grace and the gifting in your life. And to see women who build relationships and grow for the kingdom's sake is a beautiful thing. And I honor my wife for that. Because that's a, that's, yes, she was called vocationally to be an attorney. She does that, by the way, in the spirit of God. She prays. We pray all the time. I'm praying. I, for, some of you might be our clients. I don't know, but we're praying for you. Yeah. I wouldn't know that. She would never tell me. But we pray and we believe. But her real calling is... is is the calling that comes for the kingdom of God. We're going to have to really haul here, but I'm going to do that real quick. Acts chapter 1, you know the story. Jesus comes back resurrected 40 days, sharing stories. You know, he's cooking fish. He's hanging out. He's, all kinds of neat things are going on. And, and he has a strategy in verse 4, he says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard of from me. The strategy, number one, kingdom influencers know the power of waiting on God as a team. Now, as much as I love on you young people, Waiting is not one of your gifting, is it? Twitter, 140 characters. I mean, come on. The, the attention span's a little tough on that. You can learn from us old folk on that one. Waiting, but as a team. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. You want to influence for the kingdom, you have to do it as a team. Ariana, you are her team. Foursquare Mission Press, you are our team. Jesus even needed 12, Amen. We need to be and see 
uh, our calling as part of a team and allow the Allow the church, allow Pastor Mike and others, Pastor Ken, to speak to you, to lay hands on you, to set you out, to talk to you about what your call is. Number two, kingdom on the back here. Kingdom influencers know the power of trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the Word of God. Uh, I wish I had more time to get into some of that because there's this beautiful kind of relationship between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. People, I know people that they know the Word inside and out, but they don't know how to move in the Holy Spirit so that when they speak the Word, there's just the power and anointing that comes and, and, and things happen. I remember a story I got from a missionary who had, had our tracks, and, and she was in Myanmar, which is formerly Burma. And she said, Bob, I, I, I've done something stupid, I think. I'm not sure. And she wrote me, she said, would you pray for me? This Buddhist monk came to our, our missionary house and, and uh, he was going blind and, and he said, would you pray for me um, because I'm going blind. In, in the Buddhist world, they, they read scriptures, you know, seven, eight, ten hours a day. He was going blind. She said, I don't know what, but I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me to give him one of your tracks and have him read it over and over and over again, and then he would be healed. I don't know, Bob, help, pray. Six weeks later, I get a, another email. And, and, and it's basically, he, con- he came back. She was kind of, what, what? And he said, oh, yes, I, I, I thank you. I've been healed completely of his, of his blindness. Because he read the track and it was about the gospel, he got saved he said, the reason I'm coming back is I want more tracks so I can pass them out to the other Buddhist monks that I'm ministering to. Amen? Amen. God is good. The Word of God. We, right now, we're, we're, we're praying. One of the things we're doing is we're working with another Buddhist monk in Tibet. In Tibet, I, I wish I had more time to tell you what is happening in Tibet. It's tragic. But they don't have really a Bible in that country. They have an old version that's grammatically bad. It's old language. They desperately have needed a translation change. It's over 100 years old. So this Buddhist monk who got saved for the last two years has been retranslating. And I'm going to find out Monday if we're going to get the opportunity to print that new version Bible in Tibetan that could impact a whole generation with the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. I just pray that you capture what the Word of God is. I love what Martin Luther, Martin Luther said, the, the, the Bible is alive, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands that lays hold of me. If we would gather, young generation, I'm telling you, it, it, we've got to believe in the Word of God. There was something came out recently in Facebook how many of you know who Skillet is? Skillet. Come on now. Now, I had a couple older people raise their hands. You're not, you're, not, you're not getting me right now at all. Skillet's a Christian rock band. No one, boy, okay. Thank you, Pastor Mike. I see that hand. You're, um, but this, he wrote so well, so articulate. He's saying we've got to get away from from using the Word of God just to... So many people have been falling away recently, young 
pastors and ministers, young influencers. And bottom line, he was saying, man, we got to get back to the word of God and we can't compromise the word of God. I know I thought Skillet was the Food Channel uh, show or something, but it's so, it's so important that we, we stay in the word of God because that will keep us honest and, and true to what truth is, not our own truth, not what we think somebody wants to hear. What does the word of God say? We need the Holy Spirit. We need the word. I love what Christine Kane says. You know, ever heard of Christine Kane? Three of you, thank you. Um, from Australia, great speaker, and she says, you know, somebody asked me, do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? I said, sister, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> we do. We, we do. We need the Holy Spirit wherever we go. We leave these doors and we go get a donut. We go get, let's go with the Holy Spirit. And they have the word of God in us, so when we share it, all comes out in our life. Well, let's move on. Three, point three, kingdom influences start by being faithful in their Jerusalem. Their Jerusalem, Acts 1, 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is Jesus' brilliant strategy. He's basically saying, if you're not willing to go to Jerusalem... That's your friends, that's the family, that's your sphere of influence right now. And you're not willing to go in power? Maybe hold off? Actually, what he's saying is just go, do it. Go into your Jerusalem. Go to the place. And sometimes you think that would be the easiest place. It's local, it's people we know. Sometimes it's the hardest, amen? Our family sometimes is the hardest to show the gospel with. I, I've been to some amazing places, seen some amazing things. God do things. I've been to scary, scary places, jungles and things that were coming at me. Sometimes the scariest thing is going across to that neighbor. We had a neighbor that was, well, I mean, yeah, all the keep abortion legal signs and all the, you know, we hate Christians and everything, you know. And, and my, my wife and I just started loving on her. Finally, I just said, I'm just going to share my story in a natural way. And that 20-yard trip to her house, and we hung out, and my wife, she moved, my wife's still ministering to her, still, still loving her, saying, hey, we're Christians, aren't all bad. We love you, just as you are. But it starts in our Jerusalem. Then it goes to point four, it says, kingdom influences grow by gaining God's heart for their Judea, their Judea. I love the story of Matthew Barnett, Dream Center in Los Angeles. We've done some work with him. And here he is. He's a young, skinny, white dude in downtown L.A. He's trying to, to relate to people. He doesn't even speak some of the language. He's, he's not connecting. He's, he's struggling. And the Holy Spirit finally spoke to him and said, take your desk your literal desk, take it out and put it on the sidewalk and do your work there. And from that desk, he, he began to see the needs of the community, the, the drugs and prostitution and all the gangs and all the things were going on. And from that came the Dream Center in Los Angeles, which some of you maybe have visited, an amazing city-changing ministry. We, we need to know 
our Judea. We need to love our community. I know this church has done laundry love and other kinds of things like that. God bless you. That's, that's one of the ways the Holy Spirit wants to use you in your calling to influence your community. Five, kingdom influencers allow God to challenge prejudices and fears in their Samaria. Samaria. It's the place we don't really want to go to. It's the place we're a little bit uncomfortable with. It's the people maybe we don't understand. It's, it's the groups, it's the language, it's all these things that we want to stay away from. In the Bible, the disciples knew exactly what Jesus was saying. The Samaritans were hated, hated by the Jews, even more maybe than the Romans. And Jesus is saying, nope, this is the plan. And this is, by the way, for everyone. Everyone here has a Samaria that you don't want to go to. And God is calling us all to go. Why? Because it's the place that we're called to surrender. I love to tell the story. When I was called the Holy Spirit, I don't want to go, but he asked me to go to an AIDS hospice in the middle of the whole AIDS thing. And I was scared. I didn't know why I was called to go, but I went and I... I was there, and for two years I volunteered. I was the activities director. Me and about 50 patients with AIDS, dying, bad. And I only share this story briefly because I tried to get other churches and people to come with me to minister. And most of the churches I knew, they were convinced that it was the curse of God on these people, and so why go? Let them die. I couldn't get one person to come with me. And I was fairly influential. I knew a lot of folks. Nope, not going there. Could catch it. We didn't know back then. I believe if the church of God would have risen up and said, look, we, we realize that we disagree on lifestyle and the Bible's clear and we don't compromise. Because I didn't compromise. But if we love an incredible way of loving that the church comes and we gather and we say, we love on you, that we could have made a difference in the whole gay community that today would be reaping results as opposed to the opposite. I love what Mother Teresa says. She says, you know, we can't all do big things, but we can all do little things with great love. Spirit of God wants to use us in our Samaria. Finally, as we close, I want to take you as point seven. The kingdom influencers sustain their call of God at the feet of Jesus at the feet of Jesus. If you have your Bible, and because of time, I, I, I'm not going to get into it that, that much. I'd love to come and share. Matter of fact, the little booklet that you have in the back, uh, it's about the story. I'd love you to have it. If you can't afford it, it's just five bucks. You get it free if you buy the uh, gift book. I'll give it. You can just take it. Just say, Heidi, I, I can't afford it, but I'd love to take that. Please take it. But it's the story in... We're, we're talking in Luke chapter 7. It's the story of the woman who the community knew who she was. She probably was a prostitute. She had seen Jesus before, we think, uh, scholars and everyone agree. Something had happened. She had seen that She wanted to get to the feet of Jesus. People, you know, a group of men were meeting at Simon's house. They were going to you know, meet this teacher that had called them all kinds of names, by the way. Jesus was tough on them. And, he, and 
they wanted to talk to him and check him out. Jesus comes in. Nobody anoints his feet and washes his feet, anoints his head, which was customary of a special guest. He comes in, they sit at the table. This woman makes her way in. I love it because I'm challenged by that. Will I do whatever it takes to get to the feet of Jesus? What is that? The presence of God. Will I do whatever it takes to get to the presence of God? She makes her way in, and in verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You have given me no kiss, but she, this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, and I believe one of the most intimate moments in all of Scripture, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, it's, it's this grace and the presence of God that will sustain our call. Ariana, in a place like in India, only in the feet and presence of God will you find that, that grace and ability to, to maintain a ministry that really touches lives. It's where every one of us has to go. Simon could have embraced Jesus like this woman, but Simon opted to embrace himself. We are called today, and as we close this morning, we are called to the very feet and presence of Jesus. No matter where you have been in your life, no matter if it was last night you were doing things you knew were not pleasing to God, Jesus' feet will never move. He is there. He is waiting. He wants you to come and say whatever you want to share, but that your heart would just be open to him, that he can love you because he does. This is the place of our call. This is the place that our testimony begins. We can go to people, and I'll tell you, their world out there is so hurting. You don't have to go to India. You can go right across the street, and there's so many hurting places. Would you stand with me as we close?